0: Today's reading comes from Mark, chapter 2, verses 1 to 17. This is on page 948 of the Church Bibles. Mark, chapter 2, verse 1. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralysed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralysed man, ''Son, your sins are forgiven.'' Now some teachers of the law were sitting there, thinking to themselves, ''Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone?'' Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts, and he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralysed man, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, take your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, Get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Jesus calls Levi and eats with sinners. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, So um, Janine's going to come and share with us more about the work of compassion and about Jesus and the company he keeps. So let's pray for Janine as she comes to share now. Heavenly Father, we do give you thanks for Janine's presence in our fellowship. We give you thanks for the gifts that you've given her in this new front line of being a partnerships manager with Compassion UK. And we give you thanks for sending her to us this morning. Excite our hearts and minds about the work of uh, alleviating poverty for children around the world. And anoint Janine's lips that she may speak powerfully into our hearts and minds. Equip her now by your spirit we pray for the work that you've called her to do in your name, and for your glory. Amen.
1: Good morning. So, um, <laughs> it's incredibly nerve-wracking doing this in front of you, but um, I'm gonna rise to the challenge. And um, if you could put my PowerPoint up, that would be amazing. Um, I really hope, and my prayer is, that I can really bless you with what I've come to share today about Mark. Um, and the passage that we're focusing on today. But what I wanted to do before um, I start looking at Mark was just share with you a little bit about me that you might not know. So um, if we go to the next slide, please. So, um, so yes, I'm a, a, the par- a partnerships manager for Compassion UK, so it's my job to link individuals like you with children who are living in abject poverty in one of 26 developing countries. So I have the most amazing privilege of spending day after day meeting with inspirational ministers like Matthew and um, finding out about their vision for their churches and their vision for overseas mission. And if we go to the next slide, I wanted to share with you um, kind of my testimony um, briefly. Um, And so I have had the most amazing blessing of spending three years of my life living and working in Kenya. Now I was a really stubborn younger woman and I felt God calling on my life. It took me to Israel where I thought I was going to see a burning bush and find God. I didn't. It took me lots of different places. Um, one calling I did feel was that my, 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 one of my life's kind of uh, focuses is about poverty alleviation but I didn't um, give my life to God um, for quite a considerable period of time. I found myself in Kenya um, where I'm um, working um, with lots of different grassroots organizations. And one day, I'm walking down to this village here um, in Kenya. And um, it's a really poor village. Um, They have a a high um, HIV rate and um, lots of orphans. And I'm running a women's empowerment group, um, basically in a cow shed and um, I loved it, and I'm walking down, as you can picture it, you know, the, the, the red dirt track, and I'm walking down and I see a familiar sight, and there is a really old woman, a grandmother, and she is bent double, and she has a pot on her head, you can picture it, she's been down to her shamba, her small <coughs> holding by the river, welcome, lovely to see you, um, and she... Um, Uh, She looks exhausted, she looks in pain, she's bent double, she's carrying this pot, and she looks up. How are you, white woman? And like, she's just full of life, and she puts down her pot, and she embraces me, and she praises God, and it is just amazing. I mean, this has happened quite a few times, but that day, those of you who know me, one of my learning curves is I don't spend a lot of time stopping and thinking. And that day, I'm working on it, but that day I did stop and think. And I allowed myself, after we'd praised God and, and had our exchange, I allowed myself to think about where she was returning. And I knew where she was returning because I'd been to her home. She lives in a, a hut that was made of wood, you know, covered in with mud and a corrugated roof. No electricity, no water, no husband because he's died of AIDS. And no um, children because they have all died. But six grandchildren... And I thought, her life is unimaginably difficult. How is she doing this? Not in her strength, but in his strength. Her faith is what, is what is enabling her to get up every morning and live this difficult life. And I realized that with all my wealth and affluence and status... I actually had very little in comparison to what she had. And so at last, I went and found my pastor's wife. And I said, what do I do to give my life to God? And I was saved in Kenya. And that was 10 years ago. And then then my little boy was born, Wilbur, who you know, And uh, and then shortly after that, I handed my dissertation in. And then shortly after that, I find myself in an aeroplane returning to the UK. I didn't know I was returning to Camborne, but that's where I returned to. And when I'm on the aeroplane, I'm thinking, Father God, how am I going to be a Christian in the UK? Because in Kenya, people are bold about their faith. People are praising God. People are not embarrassed about their faith. And I thought, how am I going to do this? And more importantly, how am I going to teach my little boy, who's in my arms to be a Christian and to look at what is important in life, which is about keeping, for me, it's about keeping God central and the importance of relationships with those around you and those farther afield. And I was thinking, it's incredibly difficult, isn't it, in, um, gosh, I had a little bit of a panic then, I thought my iPad wasn't going to turn on, then I was going to be on the hop, phew. (laughs) Um, um, I was thinking it's incredibly difficult in this society Because we are um, under so much pressure to want a bigger house, to want better clothes, to want a new car, to want an Xbox, to want a better laptop, to want all this technology. And that need, that desire crowds out the time that we have for our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. And it was that was my prayer. Father God, how am I going to make a success of living back in the UK? And I'll tell you a bit later on about how God answered that um, prayer. But let's have a little look at what the Bible says in relation to that prayer that I was having. We are going to get on to Mark. But first of all, I just wanted to share something to you um, from Isaiah. So if we go to the next slide. The Bible shows us how God delights in rewriting stories. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And one of the most amazing things for us as Christians is that we get to be part of that. We get to be part of rewriting stories and the joy and the delight that comes with that. So when I turn and look at Mark, it was with trepidation. Because to be honest, because you're my home crowd, I can share with you, I don't normally kind of... Go off piste. And looking at Mark is me going off peace. So I've spent a couple of weeks really praying about this. And I really pray that what I've got to share with you about Mark will bless you. And I was really listening to Chris Duffett with real excitement about his boldness. And about how when he introduced our series on Mark. About how he talked about how Mark is full of um, stories of Jesus sh- showing light and his stories of compassion and of love and of grace. And I'm also really excited about Chris because I'm studying my uh, theology degree with Chris. And so um, I'm having to be bold in Chester and um, go out on the streets and offer free hugs. And it's okay doing it in Chester because I don't know anyone there. (laughs) But apparently he wants me to do it in Camborne. So that's going to be my next step of boldness. But when... I was um, praying about Mark what came to me if we go to the next slide was about the passage was the, the 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 key statement that I got was the problem with the human heart is the heart of the human problem the problem with the human heart is the heart of the human problem when we consider Jesus and the company he keeps, it seems from this passage that Helen read to us and other passages in the Bible that Jesus always wants us to deal with the heart. He wants to change a heart that's full of sin and pride to a heart that's clean and full and overflowing. And in this passage, we find two people specifically who discovered this grace for themselves, and many more besides. In verse two, we read about how there was a really large crowd that had gathered. Everyone wanted to see Jesus, hear his words, and see his miracles. Jesus always sees the crowd, but he's interested in the individual. He's interested in each and every one of our hearts. And he will always reward faith and when he saw the faith of the four friends in verse 3, who were absolutely desperate to get their paralyzed friend to, ge- to see Jesus, he responded with love and compassion. And it's that nature, that, 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 that word compassion, that I wanted just to deviate and spend a little bit of time on. If we put the next slide up, please. Compassion's a terribly English word. We read in the Good Samaritan that he was moved with compassion. I'm not sure what that means. So I don't think the word compassion does the emotion justice. So I've put up there, and I'm aware that we'll have some linguists, so I have to be very careful about how I I pronounce this. But I put up there the Greek word for compassion, spalagnizomai, And I want you all to have the experience of saying splagnitsamai. So turn to the person next to you and say splagnitsamai. Come on, splagnitsamai. Don't spit at each other. (laughs) Splagnitsamai. When I say splagnitsamai, I don't know if you got this experience, but it's something from the pit of your stomach that's making you be compelled to do something. It's not I had compassion, it's oh, I got like, Am I have to do something because if I don't do something, I'm actually gonna feel physically sick. And it was this feeling of compassion later in the passage that we read that Jesus, we read that Jesus had dinner with Levi, with sinners and with tax collectors, and that this was the cause of much gossip and derision by, from the Pharisees, but this threat to his personal reputation was not enough to deter Jesus because his heart was full of compassion. Compassion for other people that put his needs secondary. When looking at the paralyzed man, he saw a greater need than the physical issue. He saw the man's heart. Maybe his physical condition was a reflection of his spiritual condition. Maybe there was unforgiveness and bitterness and a spiritual paralysis that stopped him moving forward. As Jesus forgives his sins, it opened a door for other things to be dealt with, his heart first and then his body. In the ministry of compassion, we've seen over and over again the hope of forgiveness and new life coming into children's lives. And also, that also begins to bring about change in their physical and emotional needs too. A hope rises up in the knowledge that God loves and accepts these young children and they begin to change their own circumstances. Thank God for the four friends in this story who supported this man, who got him to a place of grace. We believe that as sponsors, as they invest their time, their love and their resources in people like Ronnie, those children indeed ...are able to be brought to a place of value and acceptance... ...where that revelation of God's love is experienced... ...and their physical needs addressed. The reality is is that Jesus hasn't left it open to us... ...if we call ourselves Christians... ...to just helping our friends. The mark of a good Christian, we read... ...is to help whoever is in need. And when we look at Mother Teresa... ...there's that really famous story I'm sure many of you know... When the man left Calcutta, who'd been out there helping her in the slums, he said to her, Mother Teresa, what can I do if I can't stay here and help you? What should I do? And she said, you return to your home and you find someone that no one loves and you show them love. And that's what Jesus would have us do. And if we go to the next slide, you've heard already from Ronnie, so I won't talk too much about this. But for millions of children, the unchanging, ruthless story of poverty has all they have ever known. And if we go to the next slide, every time you take a breath, a child under the age of five dies needlessly somewhere in the developing world. And to just ask us on the next slide just to imagine for a moment the eternal hope that is forged, When children who have only ever known hunger, disease, neglect, and the disadvantages caused by poverty are introduced to Jesus. We, each one of us, has the power to change their stories. Now, um, when God brought the ministry of compassion to my door, I've got to admit, I was a bit sceptical because... um, I've had, the, you know, like I said, the blessing of, of, of experience of working in international development and, 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 and living and, and studying in the developing world. <clears throat> and I thought child sponsorship sounds a bit gimmicky to me, to be honest. So I did lots of research. Obviously, I've been out to the field now a few times. And um, there's a really interesting piece of research on our website that you might want to have a look at by a Professor Wydick. And it's got amazing um, findings. <clears throat> it's completely been peer-reviewed, et cetera. But one of the ones I wanted to draw you to is um, compassion children, after they've completed university and completed um, their vocational courses, are 75% more likely to return to their villages and take up positions of leadership. It's a really wonderful, sustainable development model. And my belief is, because we put Jesus at the heart of all we do, we only partner with churches in the developing world. And every four minutes, a compassion child gives their life to God. And then they are fulfilling his calling on their life. And they are transforming individuals and communities. (laughs) And not only are they transforming villages and communities, but they're also transforming individuals here. So do you remember I told you I had that prayer on the airplane? Well, compassion, I believe, was God's answer to that prayer. Because my little boy, and my little girl, but she's, she's quite a bit younger, but my little boy has the most... Um, he sponsors a little boy in Kenya called Wilberforce, and my little girl sponsors a... She's called Millie, and she sponsors a little girl in Kenya called Millicent. And Wilbur and Millie have the most amazing perspective on the world, and a big part of that is because of their interaction with their compassion children. So they write letters... Um, Wilberforce in Kenya shares um, their favourite Bible verses with Wilbur and Millie. And they're praying for each other. And when my little boy walks home and comes, well, we walk home together, but when he comes in the door and he goes, Mum, I really need the latest pair of Lionel Messi Nike trainers. I'm able to go, "Okay, panic, that's expensive. Okay, Wilbs, let's have a chat about that. And we talk about his sponsor child and what his sponsor child needs. And my little boy, Wilbur, gets it. He's got the most amazing understanding of um, the wider perspective, which was the answer to my prayer. So much so that he sacrifices quite a lot for his sponsor child. Um, But I won't go into that now. Okay, so if we go to the next slide. Um, So every... um, Oh, I wasn't expecting that one, but okay, let's talk about that one. So, um, sorry, Leviticus. I won't won't read it to you um, because I'm I'm sure you're aware of of this verse. But this one, as you know, I'm I'm a relatively new Christian. and It's only really been the last three years that I've started to hear from God. And um, this passage particularly spoke to me. Because um, I found myself on my way to um, a really large church in Norwich <coughs> called Proclaimers Church. And I was going to speak, and um, I'd just been blessed with another day's work a week. And I heard God say to me, um, Janine, you really need to sponsor another child. And I'm thinking, well, we already sponsored Millicent and before, Are you serious? So I kind of put it to the back of my head. And then um, <clears throat> two weeks later, I'm on my way to Bishop Stortford Baptist Church. And um, I have a whole pile of child profiles and um, I'm praying for the children um, before I speak and the fourth child down is called Janine spelt the same way as me so I'm like okay God (laughs) that's my child and I suppose the reason I'm sharing that with you is because we need to be good stewards of our finances clearly but when I've taken out a step of faith I've been amazed at what God is able to provide so um, Let's go back to the um, passage in Mark. And I have a question for you. The four friends made a hole in a roof to lower their friend. What will you do to get someone to the feet of Jesus? What price are you prepared to pay? But sometimes we are the friend and sometimes we are the one on the stretcher. Maybe you need that support today. And you need carrying. Maybe you can be a support to someone today and carry them. Maybe you've been too long on the stretcher and it's time to get off and carry someone else. When we seek to live as Jesus did, walking in love and grace, there will be those who oppose us. I am learning. And there will be those who misunderstand us. I am learning. But the religious people always raise their objections, whatever Jesus did. And Jesus' response to those who criticized his eating and drinking with sinners was basically, I've come for the ones who acknowledge they have a need. Not you who think you have everything. Not the healthy, but the sick. And I'm just so excited to be part of Camborne Church because we get that. We have such a wonderful outward vision whereby we have the most beautiful coffee shop that on a daily basis is offering love and support and hospitality to our wider community, where we have a food bank led by um, Julie and Fleur and and Jackie's coffee shop and Kate's coffee shop, um, where we have a food bank that's reaching out to those people in dire need in our community, where we have a parish nurse that provides the most outstanding support to the sick in our community that is just inspiring and so needed where we have um, the work of Nigel and his mission and giving group that means that we're able to support the Bishop of Gona, Desiree, with all his wonderful work in the Democratic Republic of Congo and our recent work in Uzi As a church, we are being led to be outward focus, which is what Jesus is asking us to do. But that's not enough. There is a responsibility on us as individuals because it is the individuals that make up a church, as we know. And he's calling us as individuals to play our part. And today, I'm giving you an opportunity. If God is laying on your heart to think about sponsoring a compassion child, then you have an opportunity today to come and speak to me about it. I've brought 25 children from Kenya. They're from a small village, uh, well, a small town um, called Kisumu, which is about three hours from the central city of Nairobi. And we have the opportunity to have a church-to-church partnership. There are lots of children here. There's a little girl called Cindy who is aged four. And um, she um, it just lives with her mother, not with her father. And there are four children in the family. And she is looking for a sponsor. And so I suppose I'm asking you, if God's laying it on your heart to think about sponsoring a child... If you wanted to raise your hand, you could now, and I can hand you a child, not to say that you need to sponsor that child, but just to say, actually, I want to hold a child and think about it and pray about it, and then come and speak to me at the end. So if anyone would like to sponsor a child, please do raise your hand, and um, I can hand one out to you. Would anybody like to? Thank you so much. That's amazing. Would, I, would you mind hand, handing them out for me? Thank you. Bless you. Thank you so much. And please do come and speak to me again. Don't take the children home without speaking to me. Thank you so much, Hannah. Bless you. Thank you. So just to conclude, thank you so much. It is clear from this passage that Jesus expects us to show compassion to whoever is in need. <clears throat> and through this, enter the kingdom of God. Children, teachers, I have learned so much about dependency and faith. They acknowledge their need. So today, if you have a need of him, come humbly, come willingly, and come in faith. Thank you so much.